Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. January 1593, the Battle of Nong The largest army the Tonggu Empire has ever fielded, led personally by their crown prince, has invaded Thailand with the hopes of crushing them once and for all. The Thai warriors have mounted a valiant defense of their homeland, but are badly outnumbered. The battle is beginning to turn against them. The Thai king, Nuresuan, sits on the back of a massive armored war elephant. He knows he must do something now, or his people will once again be subjugated by the brutal Tonggu regime. Across the battlefield, Nuresuan sees the crown prince of the Tonggu, Mingyi Swa, a man that Nuresuan has been feuding with since they were both children. The crown prince of Tonggu is also seated on a massive armored war elephant. And as they glare at each other, old rivalries boil over. There's only one thing left to do. Soldiers from both sides all across the battlefield stop fighting and watch in awe as the two rulers fasten their gilded helmets, grip their razor-sharp glaives, and charge their elephants towards each other. Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I am here with my co-host, Pat Larish, Dr. Pat Larish. Uh, Pat, it is um, January 16th when this episode is being released, which uh, is very close to a, a day that is very special to me and to all of the people of Thailand. It is Elephant Duel Day. Elephant Duel Day. Yes. So... Elephant duel day, like what, two elephants get fancy swords and go up against one another on guard? They duel each other. No, no, no. It's about a very famous battle from history where two people fought each other while mounted on elephants. Okay. So that is a, that is a school children in Thailand get off school that day because elephant duel day. Wow. (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) I, I, I think it's also Royal Armed Forces Day. I think it's also like Thai Independence Day in general. I think it's a actually big holiday that celebrates several components of Thai history and military history mm-hmm. and the you know the 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 rich and long history of those people. But um, I have seen it written as Elephant Duel Day, and that always that yeah. Just makes me and happy. the image that stays in your head is two people on elephants duking it out hitting each other with really, really long spears because it's really hard to ride up next to a guy on an elephant. And uh, you need a long spear to stab the other guy from far away while the elephants are banging their heads together. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we, we were, in preparation for the celebration of Elephant Duel Day, we were trying to look up how such a thing is celebrated in Thailand. Um, And yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Parades. Lots, Lots of, of parades. Yeah. That was what I Lots found Lots of well. parades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parades, more parades, really big parades. 
really big parades. Yeah. Yeah. Every kind of parade you can mm-hmm. think of. The Mardi Gras one where people are dancing down the street and like having handing out candy. Mm-hmm. There's the ones like the like a like a Chinese New Year kind of one where it's like you know these big big ornate like floats and decorations and things. There's military parades where just the army goes mm-hmm. down the street like something you'd see in the Soviet Union. Uh, there's all kinds of like different styles of parades that happen around I imagine around all of Thailand during Elephant Duel Day. Um, yeah, you got to get your steps in, and <laughs> this is a way to do it. Did you know that my uh, my book was translated into Thai? Ooh, yeah, that's pretty badass. Yeah, Badass One was translated into Spanish. Uh, I think we've talked about mm-hmm. that before, but Book Three was translated into Thai. Was the only two languages my book has been translated into, um, but mm-hmm. it's called, uh, and, uh, and we, we are going to apologize ahead of time for our attempts to pronounce the Thai language. Um, it is called Sud Yadkantai Sunai Prat Waitizar, which means the best battles in history. And it was translated by uh, someone named Sofafren Ratanai. Uh, and it was published in 2014. I never met Sofafren, and the the script is is a script that I don't read. So I I own I mm-hmm. purchased several copies of the book. It is um, book three, but it is in this like fluorescent hot pink cover that is great, Ooh. and it's got it's got all everything is in the Thai script though, so I can't read any of it. So I I can't attest mm-hmm. to the translation quality, but I did look it up on WorldCat, and it is in the Royal Thai Library in Bangkok, which well, I just, there you go. Uh, I just feel really happy about that. I, I had to order a yeah. bunch of copies of it, and it was very it was way more expensive to ship it to me than it was to buy the buy the copies. But uh, it, it's a it, mm-hmm. yeah. Several yeah. of them sit proudly on my shelf in my living room. <laughs> yeah, have you ever been to Thailand? No, never. Yeah, nor I. I hope that will let me in after this episode, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would love to go. I would love to go. My wife went, um, and she loved it. She thought it was amazing. She went uh, several different cities there a couple of years ago, and she thought it was incredible. Yeah, I've never been, but yeah, um, she's been shout out to all of our Thai listeners. Yeah, she's been advocating heavily for us to go visit, and I would love to go do that. I think it'd be amazing. Uh, but we're not talking about. Book three, although we are talking about some one of the best battles in history. I guess this all kind of ties together. But um, what we are going to talk about is an elephant duel, Pat, which makes me very happy, especially because there's a whole day for it. There is. Yes. Yeah. And the elephant duel itself is unique to Thailand. But elephants, you know, as you know, Ben, have been used in warfare throughout history. We've got elephants in India. Chandragupta used them. Supposedly had 9,000 elephants in his army. That's a lot of elephants. In Carthage. That's a lot of elephants. That might be more elephants than exist on Earth right now. Oh, dear. Right. That's kind of depressing. Now you're going to make me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what if the elephants start fighting back? I mean, you know, then... That's why we had to stop having elephant duels. You can't... <laughs> you yeah, can't, you yes. can't let them know how we fight. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and in North Africa, in Carthage, Hannibal has a bunch of elephants, and yes, famously, he tries to cross the Alps with them. He kind of succeeds, but a lot of the elephants don't make it. R.I.P. Elephants. Yeah, they're not high um, altitude 
sub-zero temperatures kinds of creatures. No, no. You don't imagine elephants with Santa Claus at the North Pole. There are some good pictures of him. There's So I've seen some like illustrations, and I'm sure they were done way, way, way later, of like him, of like, I guess, engravings of Hannibal with elephants on rafts, like pushing them across rivers in northern Italy. But my understanding of the reality of the story is that very, very few of them survived the journey and were never used in any meaningful capacity in Italy. Yeah, yeah. He did use them in a meaningful capacity uh, at the Battle of Zama, which is in modern day Tunisia. The Romans were invading Carthage and the Romans, the armies of Scipio, made so much noise that the elephants got scared and ran back through their own lines. To be fair, if I saw the Roman army coming at me, I would run away too. But <laughs> Yeah, and Scipio's guys were pretty mad too because they were all veterans of Kenai and they were super upset about like being, you know, the the few survivors of these legions being annihilated. Um yeah, and, and Hannibal had tried so hard to get his elephants on the field. And as soon as he got them on the field, the Romans just screamed yeah. and yelled and they ran away and just plowed through their own lines. And that was that yeah. was the deciding moment of the battle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you've got elephants, you've got war elephants. Um, elsewhere in Africa, in Nubia, we know from inscriptions that they did have war elephants. I'm not sure how they used them. Um but it is possible that the Kandake Amanorenus, whom we talked about in an earlier episode, possibly used elephants when she went to battle. The Persians had elephants at the Battle of Galgamela, where Darius is going up against Alexander. He had 15 war elephants to use against Alexander, and 15 doesn't sound like very much when you're comparing it to the 9,000 of Chandragupta. Um, 15 elephants charging at you with dudes on the back with bows and arrows and spears, that's scary. I would not, I would run away if that was what was confronting me. <laughs> yes. Um, any number greater than zero would be intimidating to me. It's interesting because um, Teddy Roosevelt, who we've also talked about, he did a lot of hunting in Africa. And one thing that he said was he was like, oh, rhinos are not scary. Rhinos, they charge, but they always pull off at the last minute. Like a rhino, unless you're like really trying to mess with them, they'll run away. They're not going to try to fight you. He says the big, yeah. the scariest creature that he encountered, including lions in Africa, was elephants because they're extremely territorial and they would charge and they would like, you know, they wouldn't stop. Yeah. Like if they charged, they were committed. Yeah. And so Teddy Roosevelt said it was the scariest creature that he ever encountered when he was on safari in Africa. I was doing a little bit of reading up on this recent, like in the last couple of days. And um, they were like, after guns were invented, like a musket wouldn't bring down an elephant, but a cannon could. And I was like, I don't like reading about this. But I did see some no. interesting pictures. So an interesting picture of um, yeah. uh, in North Africa, the British Eighth Army is down there fighting Rommel in World War II. And they have an elephant. There's a, pic there's a photograph of an elephant pulling a Spitfire airplane along the runway and wow. apparently i don't know if this is true but i i read mm -hmm. some uh, something that said um that in the current like you know manuals that you hand out that like american special forces get the green berets um uh -huh. an elephant is listed under potential pack animals 
Although there's a asterisk there and it says this is an endangered species and we encourage you not to do this if there, you have any other options. Okay. I'm glad that asterisk is there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be a bad look for us. If... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But if you got to do, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tactical elephants. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, elephants are just cool and you know, good old Professor J.R.R. Tolkien thinks they're cool too, and he works them into the Lord of the Rings. He's got these olifants or mumakil, which are fantasy version of elephants, you know? Yeah. I think Legolas surfed one. <laughs> it's one of the many things that Legolas <laughs> surfed in his career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure someone somewhere has done like a, uh, a gif or something of like all of the scenes where Legolas surfs. Um, now, we're not talking about people who are swinging swords at elephants' feet. We're actually talking about people who are on top of elephants in the real world, not fantasy world. Yes. This is not an epic mountain world of Warcraft. This is King Naresuan the Great the most famous war hero in the history of Thailand, the greatest king of their uh, antiquity. And um, he won freedom for his people by fighting off a foreign invasion and battling a tyrannical enemy ruler in a sword fight or a spear fight on the back of two rampaging elephants. Uh, and that's what Elephant Duel Day is all about. And that's what we are gonna be talking about after this break. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. 
It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The tale of the elephant duel begins in the mid-1560s, when the king of the neighboring Tongu Empire, it's present, the Tongu Empire is in present-day Myanmar, um, but this king, he unifies the various uh, regions of, of Burma, present-day Myanmar, uh, he unifies the regions, and he declares himself conqueror of the Ten Directions. Which is not to be confused with One Direction, the boy band. Right. Or a conqueror of four directions. Ten directions is much yeah. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah, give him full credit here. He, All ten directions. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. He, he was um, a very Buddhist leader, and he, there is some concept in Buddhism of like the benevolent dictator, basically what we would call in the Western world a benevolent dictator. And he believed he was going to be that guy for all of Southeast Asia. King? Yes. Or, and he was going to okay. conquer in yeah. 10 directions from his capital. And he was very successful in most of this. He, uh, he also collects white elephants, which is a very sacred creature in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. at this time. White elephant, which is in origin a venerated creature and symbol in Buddhism in Thailand in the 16th century. And that conqueror of 10 directions, he demands two white elephants from the king of Ayutthaya, which is present-day Thailand. It is a, a large kingdom that uh, encompasses Bangkok and several other uh, you know, provinces of Thailand. The king of Ayutthaya, he doesn't have two white elephants to give him and because uh, they're extremely rare, actually. Mm. And uh, he doesn't want to give these up. And also, this is almost certainly a uh, complete pretense to war for absolutely no reason because this guy's mm -hmm. the conqueror of 10 directions and yeah. he's already conquered nine of them and we got to go yeah. 10 directions now. Okay. Yeah. Like if I, if I say, Ben, you got to give me like five unicorns, 
by Friday. Right. Oh, or we're going to go to yeah, war. I, I, or yeah, yeah. It's like chances are we're going to go to war. This yeah. is like a Jengar kind of request, right? This this always this strikes oh, me as very yeah. Jengar, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So of course the the king of Ayutthaya refuses. Burma invades Thailand, defeats the Thai army, kills the king, plunders the capital, conquers their country, sells half their population into slavery, and then rides back to Burma with a, a nine year old boy named Prince Narit. Uh, and his younger brother, Ika Tatsarat. These two guys are royal hostages and they are brought back to Burma. Remember the benevolent dictatorship yeah. thing? Yeah, this is uh-huh. how that, this yeah, is yeah. benevolent dictatorship in action. Um, okay, yeah. I'm sure hostages who were treated very well and given dessert every day, but. Well, sort of. So the king of Ayutthaya, he is, um, he's killed. In, in battle or dies during this invasion for some reason. Um, and his successor is captured by the king of Burma and is dies while being transported back to the Burmese capital. And Prince Narayan is a, is a grandson of the rightful king, but he's also the son of the guy that the Burmese king installed to rule Ayutthaya as a vassal state. So Burma has, he's conquered his 10th direction. He takes Thailand. He, I'm going to start mm-hmm. saying Thailand instead of Ayutthaya because I'm not entirely yeah, yeah. certain yeah, yeah. I'm pronouncing Ayutthaya correctly. Uh, he conquers Thailand. He wipes out their army. He enslaves their population. Uh, and he puts a puppet government in place. Hey, you're sort of related to the former king. You're king now. But I'm just going to take your two sons back to Burma with me. I'll treat him really nice, but anything bad happens, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna—you're probably never gonna see your kids again. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Tricky situation. Yeah. High stakes, and kind of Euron Greyjoy from Game of Thrones when uh-huh. he was a, uh-huh. a hostage of the Starks. Yeah. yeah. From a creature comfort perspective, probably getting a really good education from the best tutors in all sorts of cool stuff. Getting dessert. I don't, I don't know why I'm just really interested in dessert right now. But <laughs> we're recording but late at night. <laughs> other, yeah, we are. Yeah. And on the other hand, they're getting dessert in a gilded cage. Yes. Gilded cage is a great way to explain this. And so the, the Thai prince, um, Prince Naret, he is being raised in the court of the Burmese king. You keep your enemies closer, right? And He's got a little rival. He's only nine or ten, but and he's being trained by, like you said, the best tutors. He's being trained in war, all of this stuff. Um, but he's being raised with a guy who's a couple years younger than him, two or three years younger than him. His name is Mingyi Swa. He is the grandson of the current king, but he's the heir. He is the future heir to the throne, and he is very arrogant about how much he's going to be the heir to the throne. He's kind of the, uh, I don't know, he's the Draco Malfoy in this story. <laughs> to, okay, to Harry Potter. Narette is Harry Potter, yeah. So anyway, and and uh, we see the situation in fiction, but the reason it's such a compelling trope in fiction is that we see this in history also. If you remember the story of Vlad the Impaler and Mehmet the Conqueror, we've got this whole thing of you know raising kids from opposing factions in the same court and I don't know, hoping they become BFFs or and or and also holding one as hostage, you know. Oh. 
nice kid you've got there. Would be a shame if anything happened to them. Exactly right. He's a hostage. He's leverage against your new vassal king, who's probably pretty happy to be the king and would be happy to stay there. But like, you do have leverage against this guy now. And at the other time, you are indoctrinating the son into your ways so that when he goes back to Thailand to inherit the throne, um, he's got good friends in the Burmese side. But that's not what happens with Ming Yiswa and Prince Naret. Yeah. Friendship is tricky, especially when you're like age nine or 10 or a few years older, you know? Yeah, they're they're rivals and they're studying military tactics from the, the best generals. They're learning martial arts. Uh, they're learning uh, hand-to-hand fighting. Uh, the Prince Naret will become King Naresuan and King Naresuan is credited by some people as inventing Muay Thai kickboxing. <laughs> And so using generally techniques he started to learn here while he was imprisoned in Burma. Uh, Yeah, like the thing that you go to the gym on Thursdays to to learn. Right. Like you see it's some of the ultimate fighting guys, like that's the style that they that they learn. Right. It's a lot of like kicks to the leg, kicks, kicks to the lower leg and knee strikes, elbow strikes, that kind of thing. Uh, if you've ever seen any of Tony Jaa's movies, he is Thai and he uses that fighting style. And he actually portrays Nare Suan in a movie at one point. Um, he sets his legs on fire and he does a flying kick. He knee strikes a guy while his legs are on fire. That's It's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if King Naresuan did that in history. It's not mentioned okay, in the yeah, original yeah, Thai yeah. texts, but... Mm-hmm. I'm still processing the mental image. We can't say it didn't happen with certainty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so what ends up happening is uh, Naresuan grows up and uh, or Prince Naret grows up and the King of Burma, and he's he's kind of better than Ming Swa at all of this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. making the King and of Burma- And not just because he was a few years older, but like it's pretty clear that even when you compensate for, when you calibrate for the difference in ages, right. and like, he's better at this. You have to also yeah. assume that like Ming Swa was getting a 20% better version of the education and the nutrition and the, the training and the, the the private, you know, the personal trainer or whatever, like all of it was probably a little better than what they were giving to prisoner at, but prisoner at was still winning. So he's a prisoner for seven years there. Uh, and when he's 16, he ends up being sent back to Thailand uh, in exchange for his older sister. Her name is Supan Ganlia. And um, she comes to Burma to be a what is referred to as a, quote, minor wife, whatever that means. Um, And Prince Naret is returned to Thailand along with his younger brother. uh, And he becomes the crown prince of Thailand who is going to succeed his father. Uh, Whether they got annoyed with with Prince Naret or whether they just decided, okay, the time's up, like we've got to give him back. They're in the some of the Thai versions. Uh, uh, the princess uh, Supanganlia, she really advocates for this in order to like bring her brother home because he's the only hope for Thai independence. She's kind of portrayed in Thai history as like this great liberator who like made this huge sacrifice to save her people. Uh, and yeah, she like she figures okay, what options are available to her? Okay, she's going to be this minor wife in the harem. How can she leverage this yeah. position that she finds herself in? Yeah. Well, she wasn't. Yeah. So so in the, the Thai versions of this, she volunteers to be a minor wife in exchange for Prince Nare to return to Thailand. 
So kind of that's the sacrifice she makes is like, take me, not him. He's going to save the people or whatever. Uh, I would love to read her diaries. Yeah. I think she is really interesting. She has kind of like achieved this level of basically like minor deification in Thailand you know, the, hmm. they still have yeah. a royal family there and they take it very seriously. And um, uh, and she kind of has this position of prominence in this kind of pantheon of great rulers of, of Thailand uh, because of the what she does here to kind of bring the guy who liberated Thailand back to do the thing he was going to do. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Setting a very high bar for big sisters everywhere, <laughs> okay. I suppose, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> right. you know. Anyway, okay. So, um, Nare Suan gets back to Thailand, and I'm wondering from the point of view of Myanmar, was this wise from their point of view? Like, did they think this through? Well, at this point, like, even as the crown prince, like, he's good, but I believe that he was probably like he wasn't like Vlad the Impaler was fighting Mehmet and and angry and getting in trouble and being disciplined and pissed off and all of this stuff. Right. And I don't get the impression that Prince Nure was quite like that. They sent him off. He was 16. Okay, it's time to be trained as the king of Thailand. You're going to study under your dad, who's been a good vassal to us for the last seven years. Okay. Yeah, so they think he's going to be a good doobie. He's going to be a team player. Right, and also his kingdom and his kingdom's army is crippled, and they're not really considered a threat to Myanmar, um, or I would I should say to the uh, to the Tongu Empire. Um, uh-huh. And so you go and you do this. He's a great military mind. He's a great fighter. He's a great warrior. He he understands tactics and stuff. So what the king of Burma decides is that I'm going to leverage this guy to lead some armies against my enemies. And maybe I can conquer 11 directions. So hey, he goes back. He becomes a crown prince. That's where he assumes the name Naresuan. Uh, that's where that name first appears is when he becomes the crown prince. But he's still a vassal state of Burma. And or Myanmar, and um, and now they decide, you know, we're gonna we're gonna conquer Cambodia. <laughs> we're gonna fight the Khmer in Cambodia, and okay. like, hey, we need yeah, directions 11, 12, 13, 14, right, whatever, we're, yeah, we're just, okay, yeah, we're just continue mm-hmm. going in that tenth direction, like, okay, let's let's keep heading that direction. <laughs> let's see what else we can get. Um, so Narisuan, he's known as the Black Prince because he kind of had this gloomy, like he kind of was the warrior, the glo- you know, almost like a gloomy personality. Okay, so it's like a personality mm-hmm. label. Yeah, his brother. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get the name again. Yeah, his brother Ikatatsurat is the White Prince, and he's okay. the one who like he will eventually become king and have this period of prosperity and peace. And Naresuwan is living through a time of war. So I don't know if that's where it comes from or whatever is happening here, but that's my understanding of it. Okay. So Myanmar and, and Thailand, they are going to invade Cambodia. Uh, and I'm using the modern terms here, but yeah, yeah. this is the yeah. idea. So uh, we can find it on a map. Right, exactly. So you can picture where this looks like in the world. Uh, and... Narisuan is leading these armies and he is crushing it. He's doing awesome. He's leading the Thai armies. Sometimes he's leading these coalition forces uh, and he's crushing it. He is like, here, and he's coming, coming up 
And he's coming up with some interesting strategies and tactics. There was one time where there was this mountain castle that the Khmer had. Uh, it was on this sheer cliff face that overlooked uh, a river. And the crown prince, our buddy uh, Mingyi Swa, he is mm -hmm. trying to just bulldoze his way through the front door with this massive army. He outnumbers the Khmer and he's going to attack straight out the front door, but they're in this heavily defensive position and they're just massacring, they're just driving him back every time. So Suan takes his guys and climbs the cliff face at night and sneaks into the city and then wait, attacks wait, he them. He climbs... The cliff face. Yes. According to guys. like the, 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 the mythology surrounding this guy, like he personally is like setting the lines, like he's leading the climbing, it, setting the climbing rope for everybody to follow him up. Um, and they, you know, the, the tire army gets in there and they, they take this town while everybody's still asleep, open the gates for the Burmese army to come in. We win. But there's also the, like, is that Burmese King being like, my kid is just not, winning it's it's he's not getting the glory that i think he should deserve i keep putting him in these positions to get glory yeah and he keeps being shown up by this nari swan guy like his quote-unquote former foster brother right right and they oh, must hate yeah, each other yeah. they have to right or at least have a very healthy rivalry mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of where that's where the narrative is leading us right yes yes that's where we're going you know? and so yeah. nari swan he he wins some battles against the khmer he catches smallpox and he goes back to bangkok which is no! where his castle yeah oh, yeah he no. gets smallpox and he goes back to bangkok which is where his palace is um and when he gets back to bangkok he finds out that the the city is under siege by the entirety of the cambodian navy and nobody had told him and like he was really annoyed that the burmese would have allowed that to happen without even mentioning it to him because he's thought he was a commander. He's the ruler of this region and his capital's under attack. And what, what's happening You'd here? You'd think he would be entitled to get memos. Yes, right, right. I, yeah. I should be. I should have gotten this report, right? He's annoyed. Um, but he's able to defeat the Navy, the Khmer Navy. He lures them into a trap. He draws them up a river and then is able to kind of cut off their retreat and, and drive them off and defeat them. Oh, uh, they do. Snazzy. Just, yeah, they do destroy a lot of territory in Thailand. They, they do make off with some some people and stuff, but he it could have been way worse uh, if it wasn't for him leading the defense while half dead from smallpox. So in 1584, everything kind of comes to a head. Nareswan's upset, Mingyiswa's upset, and um, the king of Burma is upset. And uh -huh. instead of going to like group therapy, they try to have Nareswan assassinated by Mingyiswa. He's in charge of performing the assassination on Nareswan while he is like in enemy, while he's in Burma. Like, like they call him into Burma, so he's in enemy territory. He's seeing the king of Burma. Like this, so this is like a diplomatic invitation, or at least it looks like a diplomatic invitation, or something. Or sure, or you know, just or where your bosses or, come here, yeah, like, get over here, right? Okay, yeah. okay that's yes. true. Yeah, because yeah, he, is, he being, is working for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call back here, yeah. and now we're gonna assassinate you. But <laughs> once again, Narisuan shows up, Mingyiswa. He somehow finds out about the plot, thwarts the ambush defeats a couple of the assassins in the process, flees across Burma and gets across the river into Thailand. 
Mingyuswash shows up with a big army on the other side of the river. And according to the story, King Narisuan grabs a, a musket that he had traded with the Portuguese. This is one of these weird things with these stories where you, you keep thinking about everybody's sword fighting and fighting with spears and fighting on elephants, but guns exist in 1584. And um, he had traded for a couple. He had, they had a couple guns from the Portuguese. And um, he, he took the rifle, like the, the, the enemy army is on the other side of the river. He's on the Thailand side of the river and the enemy general is on the other side, like yelling at him. And King Narayan pulls this musket and shoots the commander of the Burmese army dead. Boop. Apparently is what we've talked about with Ataturk. This musket is apparently on display in a museum in Thailand somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. first, first sniper rifle kill in a uh, Thai history, I guess. Um, and then he, he runs back to, he gets back to his capital and when he's back to his capital, it's like, all right, there's no coming back from this. So he declares Thai independence in 1584. There's a ceremony where he calls all of the priests around and he pours water out of a bottle onto the ground. And that is symbolic of that, declaring independence. That's yep. Every time I spill a beverage on the ground, I'm declaring independence. Yeah, you're pouring one out for all of your... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there's something to this. I, I don't understand yeah, the, I... The, the religious component of it. But there are, there are statues of him in Thailand pouring water out of a bottle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he did it in a very elegant way as opposed to me where I just knock it off of the table. <laughs> and He did it on purpose, um, which is, uh, which is I hope, different yeah, from the way yeah, you yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes having water or soil is just symbolic of your country or your people. And yeah. It was effective. People loved it. It was effective. Yeah, there's still yeah, yeah. statues being yep. being done of him today doing it. So, whatever whatever the significance was, um, he declares independence, and the people of present day Thailand, even beyond the borders of the kingdom that he was the king of, they all decide like we're team Narayan. We're done with these. With the with Myanmar, mm -hmm. we're done with this Tongu Empire. We're done with Mingyi Swa and, and his dads and all this stuff, and so they kind of flock to the banner of Narayan and the Thai people. They're all starting to unite, and not through military conquest, but through like being excited about being on fighting for their for their freedom against this conqueror of ten directions. How do you think the conqueror of ten directions took this news? I'm guessing. Not well. That, that you were the conqueror of like 12, but now you're the conqueror of like seven. How do you feel about yeah. that? Cranky. <laughs> but hurt. Cranky is right. <laughs> he personally leads three invasions of Thailand with the Burmese army, uh, which at the time is the most wait, wait, powerful. Wait, wait, say that again? He leads what? three different invasions three. of Thailand. Yes. With uh -huh. Okay. The, the the army of Myanmar, which is the biggest army in Southeast Asia at the time, uh, they far beyond the borders of the current country. They have a lot of resources to pull on. Um, they attack Thailand three different times with the king leading at the front, and they're unable to take it because King Raiswan, he's got the entire Burmese military tactical manual committed to memory. <laughs> Of course. Better at, he at was a good student. Yes. He's yeah. uh, just better yeah. at this than you guys are. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he's defending his homeland, which 
has a, a morale benefit and a, a strategic benefit. Defense is always easier and you've, you've got less guys, but he can plant ambushes and he can do all of these yep. things, right? Knows it like the back of his hand. Yep, yep. And um, yep. when the conqueror of 10 directions does not conquer, reconquer the 10th direction again, he decides, you know what? This is actually, I didn't even, I didn't even want to conquer that anyway, because this is a job that's better left to my son, Ming Yiswa. This will be the glory that he will finally defeat Prince Norayiswan and, um, and conquer Thailand again. And that will be like the perfect segue into him being the king that succeeds me. Ming Yiswa attacks and he loses. And he, he attacks again, <laughs> a second invasion. <laughs> A second invasion. Okay. Yes. And, you know, it's becoming evident, at least to the people who write these stories, that um, defeating five invasions through military genius alone isn't going to be enough for Thailand to win its independence. That is going to require something more epic, something involving elephants hmm. and dueling on elephants. And that is where this battle takes place. It is at a place called Nong Sarai, and it happens in January of 1593. And the ultimate battle for Thai independence is going to be settled by Prince Norayiswan versus Ming Yiswa on elephant back in the middle of a raging battle with the futures of both of their countries hanging in the balance. No pressure. Yeah. And that is what we are going to talk about. <laughs> after this commercial break. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Battle of Nong Sarai began when the largest Myanmar invasion force ever assembled, led personally by Crown Prince Mingyi Swa, moved through a narrow mountain pass into Thailand called Three Pagodas Pass, which I love. Um, there was a, it's a very narrow entryway. They have a very big army. They're moving through and they encounter this small contingent of Thai troops who see them, fire a little volley of arrows and run away. Ming Yiswa, military genius that he was, just has his entire army run really fast through that pass to catch these guys before they can warn the rest of the Thai army. And um, okay, that's a tactic. That's a tactic. And how do you how do you how does Dr. Pat Larish, military genius? Rate this. I'm not a mil- I've, I've never billed myself as a military genius, <laughs> but something tells me that this is maybe a little hasty. It's a little hasty. Yeah, he runs directly into a trap because. Oh no! <laughs> he runs directly into a trap because King Narayan has guys set up on the edges. He's got guys set up everywhere. Um, just leads him right into this, just full headlong into this ambush. Um, and uh, it's it's Thermopylae, but it's also like the Mongol tactics. It's every military genius on earth combined into one attack. Should have known better. The Mongols are 300 years before this. Thermopylae is 1,200 years before this. Yeah, yeah. You should have known better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 1,500 years before this, I guess, for Thermopylae, because the BC always messes me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Math, yes. Yeah. Okay, so but I, I guess uh, if we want like a takeaway, you know, like the more you know, um, when you've got a lot of people going into a very narrow pass, um, keep your wits about you. Yes. Yeah, feigned retreat. And narrow pass. Mm-hmm. It's a two for one, and this guy fell for it. And uh, oh dear, yeah. And and <laughs> he's getting beat up pretty good. Mingyi Swa is getting beat like up. This is like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yeah, kind of. Kind of I is. Mean, kind of. Yeah. A little bit. And so he's getting beat up pretty good. And it looks like kind of this is maybe going to be another defeat where they retreat. Like there were five invasions of of Thailand by Myanmar, but these weren't 
crushing defeats for Myanmar. They still had their army. They withdrew. They were they were tactically outmaneuvered. They were defeated in a battle. They decided it wasn't worth it. Too many people got sick. They had logistical problems. Whatever for whatever reasons, they kept attacking. Race one kept defending. These guys kept having to retreat. This looks like all right. This isn't going to go well. Um, but this actually seems like it's going to go really not well. So Mingyuswa's got to do something here. And he rallies his guys. And he's actually pretty good at this. He gets his guys together and he organizes the attack. He rallies his guys and he starts pushing through. He's got way more people than the Thai army has. And the Thai army is also getting worn down by these defenses, right? They're losing people. And it's becoming very clear that this is going to be the uh, this is going to be the battle. This is going to be it, right? We're going to have to decide this here. And Naresuan sees the battle starting to turn against him. Mingyuswa, instead of retreating, he doubles down and is going to push the attack harder and think like, okay, well, this might be everybody that Thailand's got. We got it. We got to get them. We got to push all the way through. I'm going to lose a bunch of guys, but I think I can get them here. And, and if I can defeat them here, then I don't think they have anything else. And Nereswan doesn't have anything else, and he's got to win this battle. And when they call, I'm not even going to say call call his bluff, but when they're willing to sacrifice, when Mingyi Swa is willing to sacrifice way more of his own guys than Prince Nereswan was expecting, he realizes he's got to do something. Yeah. So he's riding, of course, on the back of a giant elephant. The elephant is named Chowpraya Chayanafap. Chowpraya Chayanafap? Chowpraya yeah. Chayanafap. And um, awesome. Okay. And uh, I just feel like we, I, I want to give some respect to the elephant, you know? Yes. That, yeah. You just wait because it's going to get. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Prisoner Race One and, uh, and Chalpraya Chayanafap. Uh, also, with Prince Race One is his brother, uh, Ika Tatsarat, who's also riding on an elephant. They decide Mingyi, Mingyi Swa is going to rally his guys, we're going to rally our guys. So they get their glaives, which is a, just like uh -huh. a big spear with a sword on the end of it, right? Okay, yeah. I feel like that's a word that Lewis Carroll made up in Jabberwocky or something. <laughs> but it, it's a real thing, right? A glaive is a real thing. It's the... It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a French invention. It's a French weapon. Like, the French called it a glaive, but it's like a, a long blade, like a sword blade on a spear haft. Uh, the Japanese called it a naginata. Um, the the Thai have a different word for it. I'm going to call it a glaive because that's what you call the Dungeons and Dragons, and that's what I think people will be able to picture better. Um, yeah, is it in the same neighborhood as a halberd? Or yes, yeah, it's a pole arm. It's long, like really, like you couldn't if the guy was standing right next to you, kind of like the the spears of Alexander, right? The phalanxes of Alexander. Okay, yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. You just need a little bit more reach than the other guy. But if they can close that distance, you're going to have trouble. If you ran up to a guy with a sword who had one of these things, you'd win. But you're not going to because this guy's sitting on an elephant. And if you try to get that close to him, you're going to get kicked by that elephant and you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, because the, elef the elephant creates distance and also kicking. Yes. And stomping and all of those things. Tusks. Yes. <laughs> yelling. Yes. Flapping of ears. Mm -hmm. So... Nereswan, his younger brother, they're avenging their people, they're avenging their dead grandfather, they're avenging their sister, they're avenging everything, right? And they are charging through battle, they're fighting for the independence of their people, and they see through the haze of battle, they see Mingyiswa, crown prince of Burma, mounted on his elephant, with his guys that are also mounted on elephants. And 
there's no doubt in anyone's mind what has to happen next. Two crown princes, two pachyderms, an entire country's independence on the line. It's elephant duel time. Fight! Fight! <laughs> fight! Fight! The two elephants charge each other. They smash against each other. There's a huge crash of pachyderm meat and tusks, and the warriors climb out. They're fighting. They're sitting on the back of the elephant. They're fighting with their glaives. They stand up. They stand on the necks and the heads of the elephants, and there's, to get better reach, they're swinging their weapons around. They are battling with their glaives. Um, they're fighting. They're weaving. They're running up and down the creatures, and everything's kind of swirling around them. All around them, the battle stops. All of these Thai and Myanmar warriors are fighting, and they see this happening, and they're just struck by awe. It's, it's what you were talking about. It's a shock and awe. Your king is fighting their king. Cage match on elephants. Backflips. I imagine I'm, I might be editorializing that a little bit, but big battle. Both armies stop to watch what's happening. And Marisawan is better, but Mingiswa is, is not He's not a, we've been kind of portraying him as a, as kind of a, a little bit of a goofball, but he's not, he is a, he's a serious warrior and he gets a drop on the race one and he hits him in the helmet with the glaive and it cracks King race one's helmet, Ooh. but it doesn't kill him. He gets more angry and he swings his glaive down on the enemy's collarbone and there's a pause both guys standing motionless. I'm picturing a Kurosawa samurai movie after like the, the sword draw. And um, yeah. then the Burmese king kind of falls apart like Darth Maul. And blood falls fountain. apart like, wait a minute, falls apart like, like cut in half. His body falls into two. Yes, slides into is two. Is cleft. Blood fountain, war over. Is rent asunder. <laughs> That's how it ends. The leader of the Burmese army is dead. There's a blood explosion. War over. Thailand free forever. The Thai army cheers. The Burmese flee. That's the movie version of the elephant duel. Yeah. It's hard to top something like that, but King Narasuan the Great would go on to conquer Cambodia. He reunites the cities of Thailand. He even goes so far as to invade Burma after Mingiswa's father dies. There's a succession battle because the heir is dead. And um, Prince Nareswan uses that opportunity to steal some formerly Thai territory back from Burma uh, by invading their country for once. Um, the, uh, he is this great conqueror. He wins a lot of territory. He dies at the age of 50 of either sepsis or possibly a second bout of smallpox. Uh, we're not really sure. But it was a life well lived. Yes, yes. Dies at age he 50. got a lot out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he succeeded by his brother, Ikatatsurat, the white prince, who basically, now that the wars have been won, the borders have been secured, the Thai army is now the strongest army in the region, he is able to have this period of peace and prosperity. Uh, there's a kingdom that will last for a couple hundred years. Um, Thailand remains independent. And to this day, Narasuan is the national hero of Thailand. And every January 18th, they celebrate their national holiday, a celebration known as Elephant Duel Day in his honor. And I suppose, listeners, if you have... Uh, if you have intel on different dates in January or any other month of the year, please let us know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because we've seen a couple different things on this. 
And this is this story is taken very, very, very seriously by Thailand. In 2014, Professor Suvak Sivaraksha was actually arrested for questioning the historicity of the duel. Now, that's kind of what historians do for a living. Like, it's like, don't take it personally. Like, that's just what historians do. Yeah, you know, I just got to like, get my, I just got to post it. Yeah, yeah. I just got to get published yeah. here every once in a while. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, get published. But also, like, it's like, okay, like, is this a badass story that we have historical sources for? Or is it a badass story that's like in the realm of legend? You know, I, I think it's still badass, whatever it is. Um, but it turned out okay for him, you know. But, um, he got released. He's not still in prison. Yeah. 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 A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in in his defense, too, there is no mention of an elephant duel in the Burmese version of the story, because there is two sides to every story, yeah. and the Burmese oh, did write at about least this two battle. Sides. Maybe there are 10 sides. Maybe there are 10 directions for every story. I love that. Yes, there are 10. So, in according to Myanmar history... They agree that the battle was a defeat for Myanmar, um, but they and that Mingyi Swa was killed in the battle. But they say he was killed by a mortar. Oh, which oh. maybe mm, Nuri Swan's glaive just hit like a high explosive shell and blew him up like a mortar. And people were like, "Well, so that the mortar was metaphorical, <laughs> figurative." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so. But that's the story, and that is the official story, and we're sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Prince Nuri Swan is on Thai money. He appears on the bot. He has buildings and universities named after him. There's statues of him all over the place, including ones of him and Mingyi Swat doing the elephant duel, which is amazing. There's, like It's a yeah. really cool sculpture. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's also a statue of him pouring water. There's a statue of him pouring water. He's sitting down in a chair pouring water, and there's one of him standing on the head of an elephant swinging a glaive wearing armor. <laughs> he was a well-rounded ruler. Um, the royal armed forces of Thailand actually reenact this battle every once in a while. They'll do, you know, elephant duel reenactments during elephant duel day. Uh, I think I said Tony Ja played him in a, or did an elephant duel in a movie that was very similar. The most expensive movie ever made in Thailand is a six part movie series. Um, that's super popular. It was written by a prince of Thailand and it stars Wanchata Swadni, who was a a captain in the Thai army who had never done any acting before, but now he's appeared in six movies in Thailand as the, as Prince Nareswan. Um, okay. Good for him. It's one of these big budget, yeah. high special effects productions. And these movies started coming out in 2007. They ran until 2015. It's the most expensive movie ever made in Thailand. It costs like 700 million baht. Which is, I hope the elephants get paid well. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they CG them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. It's 20, it costs 20 million US to create this movie. It's basically like the Fast and Furious of Thailand. It's like the big budget action movie that was coming out every year for a while. Um, and none of that is as weird as the fact that in 2006, they did a cartoon called Khan Kluai about the elephant that... Prince Nareswan rode into battle. Okay. It is a cartoon, a cartoon. for children about a, a little orphan elephant who gets taken in by the king and ends up winning Thai independence through bloodshed. Um, oh, it's a heartwarming story. <laughs> yeah. Chopraya Chayanafap. Uh, but the movie is called Khan Kluay, 
there's a sequel about the children of this elephant. The English version, it's called Bl The Blue Elephant. And um, the, the English dub includes like Martin Short and Miranda Cosgrove, who was iCarly. <laughs> so. Oh, hey, stellar cast. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. The poster okay. looks cute. <laughs> okay. Sure. So we've got the intersection of cute and badass. Yes. Because elephant. Right. Yeah. We started with elephant duels and we ended with iCarly. Mm -hmm. But also presumably elephant duel, maybe? Yeah, probably both. Elephant duel. Elephant duel. Ele elephant duel. That's what we're leaving you with. Elephant duel. Because that's badass. You know, and... we, went, we went 10 directions of badass. <laughs> we did. <laughs> All right. Well, that is like our we, show we should for write, today. We should, we, we should write a, a personal development book or something like, you know, Ten, Ten Directions, Directions of Badass. Yeah. It'd be like The Legend of Five Rings. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we're the, okay. the Musashis anyway. for, the, <laughs> for the podcasting badass world. Yeah. <laughs> for the very small niche market that we cater to. <laughs> hey. Hey. Well, that sounds awesome to me. Um, yes. And that is our show for today. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening uh, so much. Please do like and subscribe and do all that stuff because we do appreciate it and it does help the show out a lot. So please do that because we uh, we will be happy every time. Every time that happens, we're happy. So uh, anyway, yep. thank you so listening much. Listening is badass. Subscribing is badass. Telling your friends is badass. Yes. Telling your elephant is badass. Get your elephant to listen to the podcast. If your elephant subscribes to the podcast and listens to it, it still counts as a listen for our metrics. So that's totally, totally fine. Yeah, I yes. would love that. If you just put this podcast on a repeat loop in your elephant pen so your elephants can listen to mm -hmm. it and yeah. get stronger. <laughs> yes. In all 10 directions. Yeah, in all 10 directions. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Stay badass. <laughs> badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.